Welcome to Dropping In, a podcast of storytelling and interviews with your host, Winter Olympian Mercedes Nickel. Thank you so much for dropping in on Series 5. This is a series where we discuss shoulder season blues. Why? Because I was feeling down and I figured a lot of other people were feeling the same way this fall. The global pandemic is still in effect and it's fall. It's dark in Canada pretty early. The sports are hard to come by these days um, and summer was great. I wanted to dive deep and open up the conversation about SAD, Seasonal Affective Disorder. And that's what we're about to do. Let me introduce episode 43's guest that we will be dropping in with. She had a 12-year career as a professional dance artist, choreographer, and dance educator. She's got a lot of schooling behind her. She's got a lot of tools to share with us. She has a PhD in psychoeducation an MA in human kinetics, specializing in sports psychology, and a BA honors in psychology. She is a game changer in mental health literacy, mental skills training, and optimal mental performance. She is the founder and CEO of Elysée Insight Mental Performance Solutions. She works with NFL, CFL, NHL, pro and high-performance athletes, dancers, artists, military, emergency personnel, coaches, and executives, along with countless high performers in various sports and industries. This doctor, dancer, business owner, kidney cancer survivor is highly sought after. Let me introduce Chantelle Lusier. Chantelle Lusier, are you ready to drop in? I sure am. Okay, so I'm going to start with a 10-question rapid-fire Don't stress. It's not that big of a deal. It's just for um, all of our listeners to get to know you a little bit more. Great. Okay. Number one, if you could be anywhere right now in the world, where would you be? Oh my gosh, definitely somewhere sunny. I'm thinking either Hawaii or Bali. Yes. That's the second Bali we've had. Dr. Chanel Smythe said Bali as well. (laughs) Never been, but would love to. I've never been either. I would love to go to uh, number two, favorite season. You know, early fall, actually, I really love early fall, even though, of course, I know we're going to talk about summer <laughs> and everything that comes with it. But here in Quebec, the changing of the colors uh-huh. is really beautiful. And as an avid hiker, uh, slightly cooler temperatures, it's a really nice time to hike. But but yeah, uh-huh. then we'll get into sad and all that. But I love fall, the beauty uh-huh. of fall. Perfect. Um, big city or small town? Oh, small town girl. Yeah. Where are you right now? Um, well, I'm on the Gatineau, Ottawa Gatineau region, but mm-hmm. I grew up in the country in the Laurentian Mountains, and I'm definitely a, a country bumpkin, small town I love it. girl at heart. Okay. And um, I, I asked you how you were doing, and you asked me how I was doing, and I blatantly lied and said, yeah, I'm good. I'm great. And I'm like, no, actually, I'm not. Um, it takes me a second for that to click. So when people ask you how you are, are you actually honest with them? relatively you know it's one of those things in society I think we like we talk about it more and being honest when people are like how are you historically I tended to be like good how are you and I would right Mm -hmm. away flip it Mm -hmm. but I have to say through the pandemic without always disclosing depending on the circumstance I'm now much more honest about saying I'm okay yes I'm okay and and I'm okay saying that I'm okay (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I think that's that so true. <laughs> I think that's so true. I know I, I do the like, wait a second. No, I'm not okay. <laughs> um, thank you for your honesty there. Number five, how are you feeling about the global pandemic? Are we done yet? <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I think a lot of people are feeling that way and, and I perhaps was naive heading into it but literally I was one of those people where I thought you know mm-hmm. 48 weeks we'll be through this clearly I was not knowing what we were in for so yeah like a lot of people I'm I'm exhausted of it I know yeah for sure uh number six just to lighten it up from a global pandemic uh-huh. uh, if you had a superpower which would it be there's so many good ones to pick <laughs> from yeah. I think I might go with time travel actually Oh, I love hearing every different one. It's it's really yeah. good. Well, um, uh, I had Dr. Chanel on last, and she said, um, uh, photographic memory. I was like, is that a superpower? Because people yeah. have that, but I respect it. If you don't have it, you want it. I think time travel would be cool, both either going in the past yeah. to try to maybe correct something that's small but that had a big impact yeah uh, personally or like historically that would be so oh cool gosh, yes. um, yeah so I think I would pick that and then curiosity it. about the future of course <laughs> yeah 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 you could win the lottery how <laughs> make, make life a little easier or just bet on something that you know that happens in the future <laughs> uh, okay number seven when you think of the shoulder season what's the first thing that comes to mind uh, transition and, um, temperature. Like I think a lot of rain. So gray, right. Yeah. Even on the <laughs> East coast. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, number eight, do you have a trick for the so- shoulder season blues? Oh gosh. Well, goodness knows I've been thinking about this because, um, yes, I have a lot of different tricks. Okay. And for me, it has, Part of it has to do with now approaching my well-being as well as my fitness and movement from a seasonal perspective. So that whatever were my main go-tos in the summer, come fall, I try to switch it up. So that'll be my rapid fire sort of answer and we'll get more yeah. into it. But yeah. really approaching well-being from a seasonal perspective. So okay. what do I need to be at my best in the summer versus the fall versus the winter? So, you know, if mother nature is seasonal, then I figure I should bring some of those habits from a seasonal lens, right? Into my life. I love that. That's great. Uh, Number eight, nope, number nine. Do you take any supplements? Yes, I do actually. And I kind of brought them here because I didn't want to forget. So um, I'm a Vega one every morning kind of person, uh, which helps me as a mostly vegetarian person. It helps me ensure that I have good protein but it also is jam-packed full of vitamins and I find that that really complements what I try to take in nutritionally Um, I also sometimes depending on the season might do vitamin c or vitamin d Mm -hmm. and then there's two other staples for me one is my omegas Mm -hmm. and I take sorry with the reflection date there I take a complement that has the three the six and the nines okay um, so that I really get all of my omegas and then this one from a mental health perspective um there's more and more research coming out that's really interesting it's called l um lto3 okay 
it's you know like I said I, I won't go all scientific especially in a rapid fire situation. <laughs> they're never rapid <laughs> yeah. um, but certainly they've been shown to help uh, stress anxiety depression ADD so from a mitigating um, depression, seasonal blues, um, there's some interesting research coming out, but it also actually increases mental acuity. So, you know, our focus, our concentration, that like, you know, getting all those neurons firing effectively, yes. um, which sometimes we don't feel when we're kind of in that fall fog, right? Or the pandemic fog too. So LT3O um, or uh, sorry, LTO3 uh, has some really interesting research and, and growing support. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's something that I've in recent times have added. I think someone told me about that. And I'm, I'm glad that we're going to dive a little deeper into that because um, in the last episode with Britt Janik, I talk about how I um, took a wrong turn in Vancouver and ended up going downtown by accident <laughs> over the Lionsgate Bridge. And I was like, that was a little bit of a fog I had going on. <laughs> And I would imagine that's probably like in Montreal. If you take one wrong turn, you're not just turning around. The, you're on that highway for a while or across that bridge. <laughs> Anyways, I digress. Uh, number 10, the last question. A very vulnerable question. Do you get the seasonal blues? Oh, 100%. 100%. Mm. And again, I mean, research stats like... Uh, certainly in Canada, I think the average statistic that tends to be thrown around a lot is that as much as 80% of Canadians get it. So, I mean, we are in good company. We are not <laughs> alone in this, <laughs> um, you know, and again, mother nature affects so much, right? Yeah. So certainly yeah. a humble, uh, a humble uh, stance in front of mother nature that of course the cyclical patterns of nature are going to have an effect on us. But yeah, as much as, as soon as it gets colder in Canada, up to 80% of Canadians, October, November to uh, February, March. I know you blew my mind that you're like, well, we've got time. This happens until February. And I was like, oh, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. But again, it depends probably like the climate in Whistler is a bit different than the climate in Ottawa Gap, no, right? Yeah. So when does, when do those colder temperatures hit? When does the rainy season hit? And then it fluctuates mm -hmm. from season to season. Like right now here in Ottawa Gap, no, we had I would say more of a rainy October. So mm -hmm. October that I usually love was kind of like, uh, but right now we're having unseasonably warm and sunny November. Amazing. Right. Are you? So, we just got snow in Whistler. I'm currently in Mexico for the listeners that are listening, but I escaped all the dreary weather and then it just snowed like a foot in Whistler. So I feel like that might be turning some frowns upside down. Yeah. Especially for all of us who love getting getting in the snow and having some fun. Yeah. What, what about, um, well, thank you for doing the rapid fire. Really appreciate it. Um, it opens everyone's eyes up to a lot of different things, but what about people in like California that are in the sun all the time? Do they get a seasonal depression? Would you say? Gosh, that's a really great, great question. And I'm unprepared to answer oh, it. I have, that's okay. I have not researched that. I have to say that whenever I've looked up seasonal uh, depression and mm -hmm. what some of the research now says is actually considered major depression with a seasonal pattern, I tend to see it more for the Northern climate. Yeah. Um, so I haven't come across 
research or information about more southern warm climates do they experience it as yeah. well I'm wondering because I in one of the episodes I say that like if you're um above the equator and I was like well is that actually right maybe it's above like the 49th parallel but maybe that's even still too high and the equator is too low so I'm like where does this start happening? Well, a lot of this has to do with circadian rhythm and our exposure to light, right? Mm -hmm. So any geographical region that has all of a sudden a reduced amount of daylight, mm -hmm. I think is going to be uh, susceptible to it. And then I think there's other factors that are both environmental, but that affect our behavior, like when it gets colder, when it gets rainier, um, when all of a sudden people's behaviors might actually change as well, right? Yeah. So um, who knows, maybe in some of the southern state when they have their rainy season, maybe some people are affected because their behavior and their wellness habits change. Yeah. So let's talk about that. I mean, Britt and I, uh, she's an Olympian, talked about we didn't have golf in our lives anymore. So obviously we have a sport background. We're always doing something, but I don't know what happened this fall. It just hit if it was the pandemic as well, where I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to be totally fine. I didn't have golf for a couple months. And I'm just like, no, I'm not fine. And, uh, and Neville, who's on later, I recorded with him and he's had that at the beginning of the pandemic. So really it's just different for everyone, which is completely understandable, but what do we do? Help, help, help. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, certainly the elephant in the room is the pandemic, right? There's an accumulative um, uh, chronic, almost like a chronic stress that we have now experienced, right? And on one hand, I think all of us have tried to look at the silver lining, like, in what ways has this massive change improves our lives by being at home and you know, this, that, and another, but needless to say, it has caused social, economic, and mental health challenges that I think are not going to disappear just with one good weekend of re-socializing, you know, no. because, because we've been chronically maintaining this mild stress for a really long time. So last fall, those of us who might be susceptible to SAD would have experienced it. Yeah. But I think now we're almost two years in and we're like, are we done yet? And so those cycles all of a sudden are impacting us a little bit better, uh, bigger. So I think, what do we do? I mean, part of it is looking at what's within our control, right? And, mm -hmm. and what are those daily habits that are going to support wellness? So um, I know for me, one of the things is, you know, coming from the performance background as well and, mm -hmm. and supporting athletes, you know, everything in nature in the fall, you know, you look at animals and they're preparing to hibernate and everything kind of is telling your body, oh, just go have a nap, you know? <laughs> but the reality, for example, when I look at a lot of my clients who are high-performing athletes, pro-athletes or, or student athletes, yeah. things actually rev up come September, right? Right. So all of a sudden here you have this season where you kind of want to take it a bit slower and take care of yourself, but your social responsibilities, the demands yeah. of your sport, the demands of work might be revving up. So I try to think of my daily habits in terms of activation and relaxation. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And, and obviously I'm not talking in terms of like, how do I activate to have an optimal performance, but yeah. right now it's literally in the morning. How do I slowly but surely activate to have a great day? Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day, how do I use relaxation strategies to gear down effectively from my day? So I kind of use that language for myself and with my clients. And I find it's effective because, you know, you talk to an athlete about activation, 
Yeah. That right away gets us going. What does my body need? What does my brain, what does my spirit need? Right. Yeah. 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 Totally. And then one thing that's, that's kind of difficult when it's so dark and, and rainy out is actually getting that motivation to get going. And is there a trick that you have? I call it a trick. Is it a reality like <laughs> that you use for your clients, like how to help self-motivate? Because I know accountability for me is one thing. I just did a workout with a friend who's in Canada and I'm in Mexico. I'm like, let's just do this together. <laughs> is, is there something else other than accountability, would you say to others that would help motivate to work out and, and get moving? I think the social support, we've had to become really creative, right? Mm-hmm. Especially when we're quote unquote dislocated and remote environment, <laughs> but we may or may not get to work out with the buddy all the time. Like yeah. a lot of places have reopened up and, and maybe we can, but, but there's still a lot of people who are training on their own or at home, you know, most mm-hmm. days of the week. Um, for me, it's been about changing the time of when I connect with people. Like I used to be one of those people who would socially connect more late in the afternoon or evening, you know, you call up a friend or you make plans. And now I'm like, I want to text someone in the morning. I want to get a text in the morning because that'll just be something that kicks off my day in a really uplifting way. Yeah. Um, and so that social support piece earlier in the day, I think is a nice, nice thing that's easy to implement. That's both accountability, but it's also filling up the, the tank of joy, if you will. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that social support. Yeah. Um, I also find putting things like in my calendar that are just that don't really need to be there, but um, putting in that I'm going to do the workout. So then if I'm not accountable to someone else, I'm accountable to myself. Yeah. You know what I started actually early on in the pandemic? Um, I started, you know, a lot of us, like I, I use my Outlook calendar and of course I can color code, like this is for work, yeah. this is family, this is personal, yeah. um, orange is health and fitness. Um, but I picked a color as well for social because I was realizing, like, I, I kind of have a bit of, it's a sad joke, but I'm like, I'm living a little too much like a groundhog in my own little, because of the yeah. pandemic, you know? Yeah. And so quite literally now, when I look at my calendar, I can look at where are my fitness and health habits, Yeah. you know, along with my work and my family, but then I'm looking for that social connection. Have I gone like all week or even maybe two weeks without actually planning something with people I care about where I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to laugh. We're going to support each other, you know? Um, So so just color coding my calendar specifically for social connection has made a big difference. Let's get organized people. (laughs) Um, I guess when I, when I think of that is, is what is like the optimal day for people, like, uh, sorry, not day amount of time for people to go without being social. I know there's introverts and extroverts. Um, Is it different for everyone? I think it does vary, but I think the pandemic has gotten all of us to revisit that. Like mm-hmm. I would consider, even though I love human beings and obviously my work is, is all about connecting meaningfully mm-hmm. with other people, but I am an introvert. I need a lot of alone time to refill my cup, et cetera. But even I've been saying, I'm like, the pandemic is too much alone time, you know? So yeah. I think we need to recognize that. And the other piece that I've recognized too, is that for example, you know, maybe once upon a time when um, pre-pandemic, maybe I would go for a hike and the hike was really something 
that I would say would be quality solitude. You know, it'd be time for me uh, to be in the forest, to enjoy nature and to kind of take care of myself. Now I bring quite literally a different focus style. So my focus style now is much more external when I go out into the world. Now I'm going to make sure I say hi to every hiker that I see. Or if I stop to get my coffee, um, I'm not going to be in a rush. I'm going to take the 30 seconds to actually say hi to the the barista, you know, and and have that little mini interaction Mm -hmm. because I think all of us need that more. And instead of kind of being so closed off, Mm -hmm. I think it's about being open to those more organic connections and valuing them, Mm -hmm. which perhaps before the pandemic, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, those things may not have been valued. Like maybe we we need to now. So I'm kind of I love that. I hope everyone does that. Say hello to strangers, people. It's okay. I find in Vancouver, um, I don't go down there very often, but it's very um, cliquey and people are closed off. And I don't know if we can take one thing away from the pandemic is saying hi to everyone and being kind because you still don't know what that other person is going through at you all. You really don't. And I think all of us need to, to, to feel seen and visible, right? Mm-hmm. So whether it's just walking down the sidewalk and, you know, someone bumps into your shoulder. Like if you haven't seen a human being for three days, yeah, that, that's going to hurt. Right. But if someone actually looks up from their phone when they're walking and actually just takes a minute to have eye contact and say, hi, have yeah. a good day, you know, or, or just- Oh, it means so much. I think it's so lovely. I mean, some people may think it's too much, but to each their own. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Now you work with a ton of different sports and teams and the CFL. Um, You've been a very busy woman. So I'm glad that we got a hold of you. Uh, How's it, how's it looking out there? Are you just fully booked all the time? Well, it fluctuates. My work, as you can imagine, is very seasonally based, right? Whether I'm working with summer athletes or winter athletes, um, and whether they're preseason, in-season, post-season. So needless to say, there's a lot of dynamic uh, to my work. So no, it, it is busy. It keeps me on my toes, but I sure love it. So yeah. yeah. And, I, and, and not like, not just athletes have their ups and downs. That's what Britt and I were saying. We're like, we're Olympians. Yes, but we don't have it figured out. That's why I'm doing this whole series is to kind of get the tools to help everyone muster through this. Cause it's going to happen again. <laughs> And I think this is where we realize as human beings, you know, whether it's the CEO uh, of a corporation and a solo entrepreneur, whether it's a high performing athlete, or I work also, you know, with military members and with performing artists, like the one thing we all have in common is we're human Mm -hmm. and we're all trying to figure out how to drive these brains effectively Mm -hmm. um, and how to live fulfilling, joyful lives. Right. So um, we have a lot more in common than we realize sometimes. I love that. Um, Any other tips of the trade for sad seasonal affective disorder there's so much you know um i know today we're just relatively going through things quickly but i look at morning routine and evening routine and like i said this activation and and relaxation strategy so for me even recently um adding progressive muscle relaxation in the evening just before bed you know, it's something I know, it's something I recommend to my athletes all the time. But I, with my lifestyle now, it's not something I had done in a while. And all of a sudden I had a few athletes doing it and I was like, I'm going to do it too. Needless to say, of course, the quality of my sleep was mm-hmm. so much better, right? Yes. Um, Easier so- said than done. Easier said than done. That's mm-hmm. like um, meditation. It's yep. so much easier said than done when you can just like, oh, how's everyone else doing in the world and scroll on your phone and you're just like, okay, everyone's great. I'm not great. I need better sleep. Like 
click that, flip that switch to actually take the time for yourself. And the reason I'm saying this out loud is because I need to do it. (laughs) Well, and honestly, I think certain things, you know, especially in the high-performing world and athlete world, like we tend to think if we're going to do something, we're all in and Mm -hmm. it's got to be the top-notch version, right? Yes. But it's amazing how doing five to 10 minutes in the morning and five to 10 minutes in the evening from a well-being and mental health perspective will make a difference, right? So like right now I've got my lemon water, which is something I sip on all day long, but especially in the morning citrus scent is activating and then on top of that lemon water of course is good for flushing the system and has all kinds of health benefits yes but but all of a sudden again you know we are creatures of habit so the smell of lemon for me in the morning early afternoon has that like bright sunshiny wake up feeling there's a reason why you know how many um uh body washes are citrus if you want to have like the morning wake up feeling right um, I did not know that. Yes, I mean, you know, lemon water, tons of, of great health benefits, but even um, sort of scent therapy, if you will, right? Uh, it can do a world of good. I'm gobsmacked. Other, I didn't know the, that. Well, in class, I could bring a little something. The other piece, I don't know if anyone has talked about it, but mm-hmm. sun lamps. Have yeah. you ever tried that? I haven't tried it. Um, in, in, an, in an episode coming up, Dr. Chanel talks about it. And I didn't realize that it's like a completely different light that's yeah. in your face. Yeah. And, you know, on average, like there's lots of different models out there. I, I'm not a rep for any of them. Yeah, um, yeah. But basically, you want to get uh, 2,500 to 10,000 what's called Lux, L-U-X, which is a brightness level. Um, okay. And what I do quite literally, like just to show that it doesn't, this doesn't have to be an hour in the morning of meditation, an hour at night, like in the morning when I have my breakfast yep. and I'm sitting at my dining room table and I've got my lemon water and my cup of tea, I tend to do like five to 15 minutes of reading. So it's literally a five to 15 minute routine. Yeah. But I turn that lamp on. And your eyes have dining- to be open, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's not like you can meditate and do that because your well, eyes have, are supposed to be open. Yeah. Some people meditate with their eyes open though, as well. So it depends. Like sometimes I will do some meditation. Most of the time I do it with my eyes closed, but sometimes there's certain meditations I do looking out the window. So how long, how long do you meditate for? Uh, It depends on the Calm app, uh, which is one of the apps I use. Yeah. The daily Calm or most meditations are 10 to 12 minutes. Okay. Um, I also do Muse training, which is with the headband okay. and that's a bit of bio neurofeedback, which I love. And some of my clients do as well. Yes. Um, and I do sometimes five minute increments. Yep. And sometimes if I do the different, the different types, I will do 15 minutes. That um, seems manageable. It's very manageable. <laughs> you just hear about meditation. Like when you're starting, you're like, yeah, just spend an hour doing it. And you're like, really? That's not quite. I mean, you know, I think the one thing that I always say to my clients who are like, okay, I'm willing to try it, but I fail, I've quote unquote failed at meditation before I'm bad at it, you know, (laughs) people think that, right? And I always say when you first sit down to meditate, it's literally like your brain and every single thought you've ever repressed. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, she's paying attention now. (sighs) So you kind of get bombarded with the thoughts. Mm -hmm. But the simple task, really, if I was to summarize meditation as a whole, is to practice being a witness. Oh. Just notice. You don't have to do anything with the thoughts that come up. 
Just notice them. Just notice them. Don't engage with them. Just notice them, you know? And all of a sudden, I think we realize, like, uh, to me, meditation is mental decluttering. Yes. I'm going in there to see what's all hanging out. And I'm just going to go, don't need that thought. Don't need to engage with that one. And, and, and it's mental decluttering. And if you can find those blissful gaps between thoughts, mm-hmm. well, how amazing. But I might only get, like Muse, the Muse headband, for example, gives me feedback. You know, some days out of five minutes, I'll have like four minutes and 50 seconds of calm. And I'm like, yes. But there's other days where I'm lucky if I got two minutes of calm and the other three minutes was relatively active, but it was still meaningful. It was my mental decluttering. Okay. If you're not sold on meditation listeners, (laughs) then I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) I want to go do it right now. Oh, I love it. Okay. So um, before we we finish up, any other tools that people could use um, if they potentially are dealing with sad right now? I guess that my two, my two closing thoughts would be, I think sometimes we're so, especially when we're struggling, and I say that as someone who has always struggled with depression, including sad, um, we tend to be hyper-focused on how to mitigate our sadness and how to address the depression, which is part of it. But I think we forget about cultivating our joy. <sighs> you know, the whole filling up our cup, like, and at times like this, it's, What's actually going to make me laugh today? What's going to make me smile today? What's going to inspire me today? Right? Um, and so if I can finish with a super quick little story, maybe. Mm-hmm, uh, please. Two weeks ago, I had technically tried to, to book a week off. <laughs> good try. <laughs> yeah, good try. Good try, Chantel. The universe did not approve my holiday. I say this totally tongue-in-cheek because it turned out to be literally the busiest week of my entire calendar year but here's what was so interesting about it Mercedes I was so re-energized and so joyful because all of a sudden in like four days I gave five team talks all of a sudden I was surrounded with people instead of just at home Mm -hmm. um all of a sudden I was engaged in content I loved and the opportunity to share contribute help And all of a sudden I was getting out of the house and going to a lot of different places. And so it reminded me, yes, sometimes we need the rest, the recovery, the self-care. Sometimes we need to change the stimulus. Yes. That'll fill your cup, that'll cultivate joy. So that's something that I think is really important. And maybe we don't talk about that piece enough. I don't think we do. What's going to bring you joy, you know? And what's gonna what what's gonna ultimately re-inspire you to re-engage with life? I know sometimes I just remember when I was like deep in it, I was like crying and I was like, I have things. I I should be happy. And it doesn't have to do with things. It I realized that I hadn't been around people, and that's what does fill my cup is laughing and being with friends and and doing the things I love. And I think um later on in the series, Neville will be on the next episode, and and he he does say that he's like you got to find the things that make you happy 
And I think when it gets dark, we kind of forget about those things and you're just like in turmoil. Uh, I really, really, really appreciate that. Find your joy. That's so important. So important. So great. Thank you so, so very much for taking the time to drop in today. I took away so much. I mean, I'll put in the notes about that, um, that lamp, that sun lamp um, and the the specs that you should have. Um, Also all the uh, supplements that you take amazing. And we do have um, Dr. Chanel Smythe on as well to kind of dive deeper into what those supplements do, which I, I find so exciting and, and necessary in life. And I don't take any of them. So <laughs> I need to start filling my cup more too. And hopefully the listeners learned a lot as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for dropping in today. Thanks for dropping in. If you want to watch this podcast, head over to YouTube. Follow Dropping In on Instagram and Facebook at Dropping In with Mercedes. Thank you, DJ Kenosis, for the music and my mom for the intro voice. Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Do, did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.